I'm Megan McTurk, and welcome back to Brain Break, the podcast where we break down the brain to really figure out what's happening inside that amazing organ and how it affects your daily life. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the effects of stress and emotion on the brain and how it impacts your ability to learn. So this topic is especially relevant today in our country as it we are all sitting here awaiting the results of a particularly intense presidential election. In his text, Zoll himself referenced the 2000 presidential election when discussing the effects of emotions, particularly stress, on the brain and how it seemingly changed people during that election. He said talking heads turned into screaming heads. Um, They reacted during that time on their emotion. And as we'll be discussing throughout this episode, Zoll uses the science of the brain to explain really why that is happening. And we thought the 2000 presidential election was a lot. 2020 has nothing on that. All over social media right now, the news, even when I'm having discussions with friends, families, coworkers, conversations always come back to the difficulty people are having right now with coping with the stress. Nearly everyone I've spoken with during the last 48 hours have said that they are overwhelmingly really struggling um, with even things like focusing on tasks, completing assignments, staying engaged during meetings, because they are so distracted by what's happening in this presidential election. Um, It could be argued that for some people, this um, sense of the need to survive that Zoll discusses within the brain um, is really being triggered right now. People who Um, like myself, a member of the LGBTQ community, the stakes are very, very high for this presidential election. So I can speak for myself when I say my palms have been sweaty the last 48 hours. Um, And even though I specifically saved this assignment for after um, election day, because I couldn't help but make the linkage between what's happening in our country right now and how it's impacting our brain, I still, even with knowing the sciences, am very distracted um, and finding it difficult to focus. Um, So despite all of that, um, we will push through um, and we're actually going to be discussing three different events um, within three different people's lives. And I'm going to start with discussing myself. And then I'm going to discuss times uh, when my wife found it very difficult for herself to focus on tasks. And then I'm going to be discussing a time when um, in my own classroom as a teacher, students um, have really struggled in class because of their emotional responses. It's important to remember that as we talk throughout this episode, that the limbic system influences our emotions and feelings and is completely connected with each other and the entire neocortex. This is something that even though we'll be discussing separate parts of the brain, it is all extremely interconnected and the power of emotion and stress truly, truly does impact the brain for everyone. When thinking about times in my own life where my emotions impacted my ability to learn, a few different events pop up. Earlier, I just discussed how our current events with the presidential election have been having an impact on me throughout the day. I find it very hard to focus. Um, 
other events throughout my life in college, coming out as queer, um, cause a lot of stress. And that time in my life as a student in college um, is almost a blur. But I wanted to rewind even more um, all the way back to a major life event when I was in middle school, sixth grade to be precise. Um, During the end of sixth grade, seemingly all at once, everything changed for me. We had received um, some really unfortunate news about some life experiences of my sister. I have a half-sister who at the time lived in Washington State, and there was um, some really disturbing things happening with her out in Washington State. My dad, at the same time, um, I learned was suffering from um, bipolar disorder, and he was in a very, very deep depression. And during that time, had attempted to commit suicide. Um, Not that much longer afterwards, um, after learning about his infidelity, my mom made the decision to divorce my father. And so all of these major life events um, kind of came crashing down within the same few months. Um, And it was at the conclusion of my sixth grade year. And so transitioning into seventh grade was extremely difficult. And on top of that, I was selected for honors classes in seventh grade, which was when my school district started kind of separating and, and putting us and tracking us into different honors courses. And so my coursework was becoming even more demanding and baseline middle school is a very difficult time developmentally so I was really struggling emotionally and if you had asked me at the time I would have said that I wasn't that I was okay Um, but looking back now I see the impact that that stress had on me and to be honest when I try to look back I can barely remember the beginning of sixth grade I have so few memories from that time. When I think back to school specifically, I think of the difficulties I had for the first time ever in math class. That was one of my honors courses. I struggled and I remember feeling um, very insecure in that class and like I just could not grasp things. And I remember asking my mom, why suddenly can I not understand things? I was a straight A student And I could not figure it out. I had to stay after school a lot and ask for a lot of extra help. But when I think about why I can't remember that time, and I have so few vague memories from that time, I think about the hippocampus. It's clear that, obviously, from everything I listed, there was a lot, a lot of stress and uncertainty, um, even anger, I'm sure rage at times. And fear. I had a lot of fear about what was going to happen. Um, Was my dad going to be okay? Is my sister okay? She lives very far away from me. Um, Where are my mom and I going to go? Are we going to be okay on our own? And so the cortisol had to have just been completely flooding my body for a stretch of time. You know, these were all life events that didn't just happen and were over. They were ongoing. And so the cortisol, especially throughout that year, had to have been flowing and just flooding my hippocampus, really impacting my ability to remember things 
And so short term in that time, at that time when I was in seventh grade in my math class, I'm sure I was having a really hard time remembering formulas and these things that you had to have at the ready to complete these problems. And then bigger picture, long-term memory, I'm sure that my hippocampus was unable to really store a lot of those memories, which is probably why I can't remember that much. But despite that struggle, at the time, there were parts of school that I do believe that I enjoyed. And I remember my mom and other adults in my life being very concerned with how I was handling um, everything going on at home and outside of school. And my teachers told her that for the most part, with the exception of some struggles in math class, that I was doing okay. And I felt that I was doing okay. Um, but I believe that that was because I felt that I was in control when I was working. Zoll talks about surviving being the desire for control and reminds teachers that having students being in control of their learning can be extremely empowering and can even outweigh some of those stronger emotions that might be distracting the brain. If we can get students focused on work, then that might take down some of the impacts of some of these emotional or really stressful events that are happening for our students. And I believe that that was happening for me. For the most part, school was easy for me and I felt in control when I could complete my assignments. I do remember feeling overwhelmed at that time because, again, I was in classes that were more demanding. You know, I was bringing home a lot more homework, which took me longer to complete because I was distracted when I was home. Um, but for the most part, I felt in control. When I was at home feeling some of these emotions, rage, anger, uncertainty, my amygdala was taking in sensory information without me knowing it and was monitoring the situation. And so at that time, I'm sure one of the reasons that I had such difficulty remembering what I was supposed to be doing and completing my assignments and staying focused was because at home was where my stress was happening. And so if my amygdala is just receiving sensory input, sensory input, sensory input, and constantly seeing if I'm safe or if I should be afraid of something, and there were plenty of things to be afraid of at that time, that's where my brain was focused. And so at that time, I probably, my grade should have really completely dropped, but because I think I felt like I was in control, that counteracted some of the other things that was happening in my brain. And so it makes me think about how some of my students who I taught sixth grade, so I taught students that were in school at the same time that I had some of the most foundational or impressionable stresses in my life. And so it makes me think about how they handled their stress and how as a teacher I responded to that, which we'll be getting to. We're gonna pause this podcast to bring you this episode's Brain Break. Did you know, according to Zoll, two fundamental things that the brain wants are safety and happiness. In fact, the brain wants to learn. If we want a person to learn, we need to help them see how what we're teaching them matters in their lives. If it brings a feeling of safety or increases their happiness, if it's relevant to them, then they will learn. Now back. 
next we'll be discussing um, an interview that I had with my wife. And I chose my wife for this interview because she and I actually express and I think overall handle our emotional responses to things somewhat differently. Um, And so I was really interested to learn how she responded to situations that brought her stress. And when I presented this interview with her, almost immediately she thought of a recent event in which we had a disagreement with some friends and it actually impacted her ability to work that day. My wife is a research analyst and so she works for a market research company that actually works within the health field and she's responsible for managing people and projects and making sure they get out on time and she does a lot of different things in any given day and it definitely has an impact and a ripple effect if she does not feel on her game and this situation though it looking back um, doesn't seem as profound um, really had an impact on her And so a quick summary, we are really close with another couple and we are really great friends. We consider them family and we've recently gotten to a disagreement, which happens, right? We get into disagreements with people and it usually passes just as it did in this situation. But this disagreement um, had to do with things that we and my wife especially felt very strongly about and so it wasn't just disagreeing over something petty that didn't really matter it was actually something that was close to our hearts and so in the midst of this disagreement my wife was waiting on a response from our friend and so there wasn't really any closure and so she was in this kind of limbo and just replaying the conversations she said over and over in her head. And each time she played this conversation over and over in her head, she just could not focus that day. She reported um, that she was struggling so much um, with getting work done that she could only do concrete tasks that were just simple and easy and didn't involve much critical thinking. One of the responsibilities um, at my job, my wife's job, is to create um, presentations for major companies. And within there, they're analyzing data and, and coming up with a lot of things that are gonna have a big impact for these companies. And so instead of doing some of those things that involve large amounts of critical thinking, she could only do almost these menial tasks, these slight edits that were concrete and quick to get done. She also said that same day that she was attending mandatory trainings. And she actually said that anything that happened that day during the trainings was completely lost on her. She doesn't really remember what the trainings were about. It just felt like any time she tried to take in information, that that information hit a wall. And luckily, this issue was resolved and obviously did not have any long-term ongoing effects. But that day was something that, sh- that 
maybe because it happened very recently, um, she had a very strong reaction to. And so thinking about that, what that day must have been like for her and her, her memory constantly bringing up the conversations that were had prior um, to that day that she had a strong emotional response to, again, I go back to, to cortisol and, and the impact that that chemical has on our body. It impacts the memory. It impacts the hippocampus. And so the hippocampus takes in all of these sensory inputs and integrates them together, as, as Zoll says. It's the great integrator. And it actually creates a memory. And so replaying that memory over and over and over again then has a connection to the amygdala. Like, we, like I talked about earlier, all of these aspects within the brain are connected. And so this connection running from the amygdala to the cortex, it explains why our emotions tend to overpower our cognition. Right? Zoll says the reverse doesn't happen. Cognition doesn't impact our emotions. It is these connections within the brain from the amygdala to the cortex that cause our emotions to influence our thinking rather than vice versa. And so within my wife's brain at that moment, during that day, each time she thought about this stressful situation, replaying really emotional conversations were bringing up all of these emotions for her, anger, frustration, maybe even rage. And then holding on to the stress and the anticipation of what was to come. Were we going to stay friends? Were we going to agree on, on this? And, and those things, that, that fear, the amygdala is taking in all of that sensory input. And that impacts the brain. It impacted her ability to complete work tasks that day. It impacted her ability to, to learn during her trainings and clearly had such an impact on her that the moment I brought this up and, and actually asked her, what was a time when you felt so stressed that you couldn't learn? This was her immediate and first response. And I'm sure there were plenty of other times when she was actually a student in school that this happened. I can remember when she was in grad school at the start of our relationship, times where she struggled because she was under so much stress. But this even goes to show that even as adults, it is difficult to manage those emotions, even with, within our job. We are always learning. Learning isn't something, as, as Zoll says, some people think that learning only happens in certain environments, and it doesn't. It happens all of the time. And so even as adults, we can feel that stress and those emotions and the biological responses within our brain have a profound impact on us. For the final portion of this episode, we are going to discuss a student in one of my previous classrooms um, who is not able to learn or really struggled with learning because of some of her emotions. Um, before discussing her exact experience, however, um, I just want to say this was something that was really part of our daily life 
at my previous school. I taught for nearly 10 years in Southwest Philadelphia, and for the last six years of that, um, I was an inclusion teacher in a sixth grade classroom. And so 50% of my students had IEPs. And most of those IEPs were emotionally related diagnoses, which we could probably have an entire other episode about the relation between that and the racial makeup of our school and um, some biases within special education. Um, However, it is important to note that the school that I taught in had a 99% black student population. And we have to discuss that beyond just individual life events, these students and their families face ongoing racism for their entire lives. And there is data to show that this has profound impacts on people and trauma and generational trauma that is passed down. And so IEP or not, almost all of our students had faced traumas just from systematic racism and oppression within their lives. And so this is something that when I said was a daily thing that we we discuss within our school, this is why. Um, It's also important to note that this neighborhood in, in particular was an extremely, had an extremely high crime rate of violent crimes. Um, shootings, stabbings, murder were, were all things that were unfortunately irregular within these neighborhoods. Um, we also had a 100% free and reduced lunch rate. Our neighborhood was overridden with poverty. So when we talk about traumas, um, not just related to racism, although they are intertwined, again, we can get into another episode about all of these systemic impacts. But not every single student in that school had the same life experiences, but they were all coming from similar ones based on their race, based on the neighborhoods they lived in, um, and just based on the poverty levels within those neighborhoods. So almost all of our students struggled with learning. And so as a school, we really had to be informed. We had to use trauma-informed educational methods and had professional developments on the science behind the brain and everything that we're talking about within this podcast today, cortisol, PTSD, the hippocampus, how this impacted our students' ability to learn and how the students in the county two miles away from us weren't in, were not experiencing the same struggles that our students were experiencing. And so their brains were actually performing differently uh, when it came to learning. And so this topic, especially when talking about my students, is something that is extremely personal. So while I'm going to share one story of a student, this was something that I could have 50 to 100 more stories um, of how this impacted my students. But I digress. Um, Today I'm going to for this part of our episode, discuss a student, we'll call her Aaliyah. Um, And Aaliyah, unfortunately, experienced something that way too many students in our school experienced, um, which was the murder of somebody 
close to them. Um, during our school year, Aaliyah's older brother had been murdered. And as you can imagine, that was extremely traumatizing for Aaliyah. Even more difficult because of childcare issues and not wanting to keep Aaliyah home without childcare. Um, her mom thought it was best to send her to school almost right away. And so within 24 hours of losing her brother um, in such a traumatic fashion, Aaliyah was back in school. And obviously we had our social worker and counselor at the ready and working with us and had kind of wanted to keep things the same and consistent for her as possible, but also offering her space um, to grief um, within, within our school day. And some of the behaviors over not just that day, but the course of the next weeks, as we know that the grieving process goes on and on, um, I observed at one moment her head was up and Aaliyah was paying attention and engaged in a lesson, and the next moment her head would be down. Tears would be flowing. And it could have been because something we said made her think about her brother, or she just thought about the trauma that she had just endured. And so there was just big, major swings in emotions. And when those things happened, we simply asked her what she needed. And sometimes she knew and sometimes she didn't. And if she needed space, we had already worked with a social worker on, on giving her space. But we didn't push her beyond her comfort level. And we wanted to give her respect and time to feel these emotions. Um, and so we tried to react with as much empathy and compassion as we could. And during those times, Aaliyah reacted and responded in a way that was, for the most part, very calm. And once she had gathered herself, I think the consistency of being in classroom and the distractions of working and being in control of her work, as we discussed earlier, um, helped her have some sense of normalcy. So after she had her time, um, she came back and got back to work. But then we also observed times of extreme anger. And usually this was in response to something that had happened in the classroom. She had felt wronged. Um, somebody took her pencil. Things that prior to this, Aaliyah had the ability to work through emotionally seemed to be all gone. And so whenever this instance occurred or she felt wronged in any way, we saw anger and outright rage. And as much as we, and I say we because I also had a co-teacher at the time, as much as we approached Leah with as much empathy as possible, there were times where I'm sure that I or we reacted with emotions as well um, because it would feel frustrating to be in the middle of a lesson and then Aaliyah would scream out and kind of throw the whole class into chaos and we had to really stop and remind ourselves that her brain was not scientifically biologically operating in the same manner that it, that it 
had been for all the time prior in that school year. And so we still did our best as teachers and as the adults to respond with compassion and empathy. And she would always come back. She would always bounce back. But the main things that we saw within this time was just extreme roller coasters, extreme ups, extreme downs, and emotions were really all over the place. And so I almost envision when I think about what was happening in her brain at the time, I almost envision it like just fireworks and sparks and just things lighting up because all of these emotions, the, the deep and complex emotions of grief were just lighting up different parts of her brain left and right. And I'm sure there was fear. Her brother had been murdered and she was so young. And so I'm sure that she feared for even maybe her own life. She had anger. She had rage. And so all of those things, the amygdala is taking in all of that sensory input, even when she didn't know it and was constantly searching for, am I safe? Am I safe? Is this going to be a safe situation? And within that, any of her memories that were being stored in the hippocampus, especially as it related to the time, those moments when she and her family learned that her brother had been murdered, those moments were traumatic for her. Those memories were taken from the hippocampus to her amygdala. There's a response there. And so a common theme within all these stories cortisol flowing through chemical constantly impacting the brain impacting the hippocampus and all of these emotional responses impacting the the structure of what's happening inside of her brain and so it's no wonder that she struggled to pay attention to keep her head up to stay engaged to regulate her emotional responses to her peers we watched these emotions impact all aspects of her day, not even just her learning, her ability to function. And so, you know, when we think about the limbic cortex and, you know, the, as Zoll kind of calls it, the bark that covers the brain and its strong connection to emotion and emotional regulation, that's what comes to mind when I think about fireworks or sparks, just everything being lit up in her brain and it just encompassing her brain. Um, she had a lot, a lot going on there. And especially with her amygdala sensing danger, just sending subconscious signals throughout her body, it was impacting every single aspect of her day. Um, and so that was an, a, a major example to give, um, about, emotion and stress impacting our learning. Um, but like I said before, I could go on and talk for hours about this because this is something that affects a lot, a lot of kids in our country today. And as teachers, it's our responsibility to learn about how the brain works and about how our teaching impacts that as well. And to be knowledgeable of what's going on in our students' lives so that we can help them um, in the best ways humanly possible. And that's our episode this week for Brain Breaks. 
Thank you so much for listening. And if you're feeling stressed and having trouble thinking and learning during this election and our current events, just remember, some of it really is all in your head. Have a great week.